Welcome to Indie Dotes, the podcast that shares the stories of independent creators. I'm your host, Susan Bond. Today on the show, I have Brian Hogan. He's a programmer and author and the creator of Codecaster. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I heard about Codecaster because I sent out a tweet asking for what was a project that you were working on or really excited about, and you responded. And I, of course, I quickly Googled and found out more. And um, so I'm really excited that you're on the show today because you know I think you're trying to solve some problems you know uh, that I think are really important in teaching people technology and in classrooms. Like, let's talk about let's tell folks what Codecaster is to start. So, Codecaster is software for uh, for teachers and students. T- if you're in a classroom where you're um, you're you're doing you're you're facilitating a class, you're facilitating a workshop, and it's it's very much centered around code. So you're going to be showing some code examples, or you're going to be asking people to participate in exercises. Um, Codecaster lets you broadcast the code to the individual students' desktop machines um, so that they can work on things. But it also lets you communicate with them in, in sort of a private, uh, in a somewhat private manner. One of the biggest challenges that I, I discovered when uh, when I was teaching software development was that only the really confident students are willing to engage, uh, you know, vocally. So you will say, you know, who who uh, who wants to share their code with with the rest of the class, or uh, you know, asking asking a question like, how would you complete this this program? And only a handful of people would really engage, and and there were a, a fair number of students who who I knew were good. Like I, I as the instructor, knew that they were good. I knew they had potential, but they they were nervous. They would get stuck on something, and they would sort of slink in their chair. And then, in very short order, they would check out. You know, they just they would just stop participating. And I thought, what was there a way that I could reach them? Was there a way that I could make students who were shy or uh, lacked the confidence uh, a way uh, to help them out? And that's where Codecaster came from. So, it's, if if they run into a problem during an exercise. Instead of having to raise their hand and flag the instructor down and then you have to walk over to their desk and stand over their shoulder and help them loudly and in front of all the other students, which embarrasses right. them, right. You know, that, that causes anxiety. There's so many, so, many, so many things that people come with when they come into an education environment. Their past experiences, all that kind of stuff, um, it, it, can, it, it can inhibit their ability to learn. So you know, as, as the facilitator, as the instructor, if you can knock down as many of those as, as possible, you, you can make it better. So... Instead of them having to flag me down, they can say, "Hey, I'm I'm struggling with this code," and and Codecaster will send me what they're working on. It will send me their code, and it and, and will send me a message, and then I can address it. I can comment on it. I can even fix up the code, and send it back to them and say, "Here you go. Here's here's a hint, or here's some clue, or you know, I can take it as far as I want. I can, I can just like re- give them the answer if I want." Um, but then they can then you know transition that back into their editor, and they can continue working, and and then. Uh, that'll help boost the confidence, and then the more they do that, the more they do that, the less they have to rely on Codecaster to do that. So that's sort of the, sort of the gist of it: is uh, trying to get more signals from the quiet people. You know, one of the other things that I added into Codecaster, which I found useful, is just a simple button that lets the students tell me that I should slow down. You know, it'll tell me like 50% of your class thinks you are going too fast. You know, th- things like the little little things that I, as as the facilitator, can use to to meter because people are shy. People right. don't want to. 
People don't want the good people, the good students in the class, the the engaged ones, the ones that are perceived to be the really smart ones. They don't want them knowing that you don't know as much. People are innately seem to be afraid of that. And that's one of the lessons I learned from teaching. Well, right, and sometimes, I mean, I think you're getting at a perennial problem for teachers. There's always the people who are loud, who talk all the time, who raise their hand. Um, and, and, and full disclosure, so I run courses. So I run courses for Sandy Metz and so, and I've done actually a lot of training. So I've seen this over and over and over again, right? Mm -hmm. But then there's always a bunch of quiet people who uh, don't speak up and you do wonder about their learning, right? Mm -hmm. how, are, how are they learning? How are they getting there? Um, you know, and, and the, maybe the confidence issue might be part of it. Yeah, it's something that, it's something that I experimented with uh, when I started teaching. I started experimenting with a, an app called Socrative, and that was um, you know, letting, letting me do exit tickets in class and letting me do, letting me do uh, anonymous polling in class and, and things like that. And students responded relatively well to that, and I was able to sort of reach those quieter students. And I thought, well, what, what if there was something like that but that was more focused on, on you know, code? Because I, I had a very specific way that I, ran, that I ran my classroom environments. It was a very specific very practice focused i didn't i didn't even for the beginners i didn't think lecture was a very good uh, methodology yep. to teach programming so we, we taught what was a blend a blended learning environment so they would they had some videos to watch and some things to read before they came to class and then class time was hey let's write some code i'm going to give you a challenge problem almost like i had i had a teacher in in high school who was who taught a physics class this way he would bring us He'd, he'd start out the class, every class, with a word problem on the board related to something with physics, like force and mass and acceleration or things like that. It was a word problem. We had to come up with a solution. And so I sort of stole that when I became a teacher. And, and I started running my introduction to programming class that way. Uh, and uh, I, I use these, these exercises that I have. And they're, they're now in a book that I, I published called Exercises for Programmers. But they're just these challenge problems for beginners like... Um, you know, the, the, everything from the the basic enter your name and have it print out hello your name with an exclamation point at the end of it, all the way to figuring out who's in space. Uh, right now, using one of the Open Notify APIs that tells you who's on the International Space Station right now. Um, hmm. And the idea is, if you, you put you can you can use these kinds of exercises to um, to learn any programming language, but they work really well for a beginner because the beginner has to learn how to break down problems. And so the, the way the class would work is I would give them these challenge problems and then I'd have them work in groups to, to solve the problems. But what, inv what would invariably happen is that you'd have a couple of people that would solve the problem and everybody else would sort of just kind of watch and kind of hang on. And then you started noticing that performance in the, in, when you did the assessments. And you started noticing that there were a fair number of people who, who could do this, that they were perfectly capable of doing this. But for one, one reason or another, they weren't engaging and you start noticing that in the classroom. And that's, that's kind of what, you, could, what you, you have to try to figure out ways. And so I thought... Well, if they're engaged, if they're if they're happy to be engaged through something like Socrative, where they can anonymously, uh, you know, ask me questions, and, and rather than having to, you know, do it in front of everybody, could that work with code? So I sat down and whipped up a, a basic version of it, and I started using it in class. Like I, my students were my beta testers for this. Yeah, um, well, so. can, yeah, yeah. That's that, I, I love that. Wait, so this is great. So I have like a million questions. All right, <laughs> students are my beta testers. Love it. Okay, so let me get. I have a few questions. How long had you been teaching, you know, folks before you started working on what would become Codecaster? Uh that's a really kind of a weird question because it's it, formally only about a year and a half. Um, mm -hmm. but I have been teaching people to code 
yeah. for like 20 years. Got it. Yeah, so um, it's 20 years and a year and a half. Yeah. And then, so, well, then, you know, there was like, you know, there was sort of like, I, I really wanted to be teaching people. Like, like I wanted to be, yeah. I wanted, I was doing the software development and I had mentor, I had done some mentoring and I'd done a ton of private training. You know, I'd done a private, done private workshops, like, um, go, you know, go somewhere and teach Rails for a week and, you know, somewhere else. And it's like, I always enjoyed that, but. I, I, I had uh, I had I had interns that would say I learned more from this internship than I did in my classes, and and I, you know after hearing that for five or six years, all I could think of is I got to get in there somehow. I got to get yeah. into teaching like those introductory classes somehow so we can you know make a difference. You know why is it that they're learning more on in an internship than in the classroom? What are the what are the reasons for that? And of course you know idealistically you're like oh it's obviously the curriculum and then you get into it and you realize no no it's 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 very rarely the curriculum that's the problem. What I what I wish I knew before I was teaching was you know uh, it's not about the programming languages. People like to people who yeah. don't teach and who are in software development love to say things like oh that curriculum over there is so old they're te they're still teaching XYZ that's so out of date. And I'm thinking, I don't use any programming languages other than HTML that I learned in college. Right. You know, I don't, I don't, they, we, I moved on. There's other languages. I never, ever took a class on how to make an, uh, how to make an, uh, an iOS application. Mm -hmm. Ever. But I've written an iOS application. I never deployed it to the store, but I've written it because the skills that I learned when I was in school taught me how to program. So... It's one of those things you don't realize when you get into teaching that it's really not about the 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 technology it's about how how things work and so i had a very very wonderful teaching mentor is deb walsh and she's a fantastic <laughs> teaching mentor uh, and she gave me this this book that the uh the accelerated learning handbook and it talks about the four p's uh, and that's what got me thinking about this the four p's are you have to you have to do all of these things in order to have a successful interaction with students and for students to grow and achieve the idea is that you 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 start out with your uh, your preparation. You as the teacher have to prepare, uh, have to prepare a good lesson. Yep. You have to present it. Um, yep. You you have to you can't skip the preparation because then you can't present it properly. But you can't skip skip the pre the the, uh, the presentation because then what what follows that is the the practice. You have to provide an opportunity for the learner to practice what you have presented to them. Yep. Uh, and that's where we fall short. We we sort of we, we sort of run right to I'm gonna present now there's an assessment. And and that's the last part is the the performance, and and, and you have to follow that through. You have to you have to you have to you have to do the preparation as a teacher. You have to present as a teacher, but then that's only half. Like you can't do all the work and you can't do none of the work, but you have to do half of the work. Then you have to provide an equal amount of time for the students to practice before you judge them on their performance. Before you 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 look at that. Um, and, and, and if you don't provide those opportunities, that, that makes it difficult for the learners. But if the learners don't take that up on them, no, take that up themselves and do the practice, they won't, they won't do well either. So. Well, right. And, and one of the things I, I'm not really, I, I love this, uh, these four P's. I've not actually heard them before, but I'm fascinated and I'll, um, we'll make sure to include some link to the material for folks after on the show notes. One of the things I think about when you were talking about curriculum, we do think curriculum is everything. And I think curriculum is important, but what's also important is the environment. So do we provide a place where people can ask questions and not feel stupid, mm -hmm. right? Or, you know, they're maybe trying to keep up with the quote-unquote good students. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that that's something that is often missed in, in teaching is that the environment is just as important as the curriculum. 
Yeah, if you're the teacher, it's your responsibility to create a welcoming learning environment. That is that is your job. You are the you're the facilitator. Another another great teaching mentor of mine, um, uh, Dr. Roger Stanford, said uh, that you you have to you come in from a traditional education environment and you come and you want to you model the teachers that you've seen. That's that's what that's what people do. We model the behavior that we see, and what we need to do is model the behavior that we want to see. And so what he would always tell me is you're, you're the guide on the side, not the sage on the stage. You're not the keeper of all knowledge. You're not the one to impart all the knowledge to the students. You are there to guide them. You are there to create the welcoming learning environment uh, and to get out of the way so that, that they can learn. And that's what I think Codecaster helps do. It helps create that welcoming environment. It's, it's, there's a button they can push. They're not, I'm, not, I'm not begging them to ask me questions so that I can be the, the person to impart the knowledge and give them the answers. I'm providing them a button that they can push to ask for help when they feel they need it. It's empower, empowering them. So important. It, it, um, again, we think teaching is just about one thing, but it's actually there's multiple things that goes into a really strong learning experience for a student mm -hmm. um, and to get the outcomes that you want. I'm going to get really nerdy about the development of oh, the sure. yeah. Let's get nerdy. Let's get, let's get nerdy. All right. I love that. So walk me through, when was it that you had this idea? You're like, okay, Socrative works a little bit, but I want to create, uh, you know, something that really helps me lick this problem. When was that? Um, it was, it was after my, uh, it was in 2014. Uh, okay, I would say, I, I would say like, like 2013 was me sketching things out on paper. Like what would this be? Uh, and the summer of 2014 was me or was me writing it for the 24 you know for the 2014-2015 uh, class year. Got it. So so back in 2013, you're thinking something's not work like classrooms can be more effective, right? Yeah. Or we can have more effective collaboration and and all these sorts of things. Yep. Um, was there a moment when you had that like I need to build this? Was there a moment or how did that come about? Yeah, there was there was a moment there was a moment when uh when I just I had um I, I, I just saw as a teacher that I lost half of the class. Like you just you just see it. It was the, it was it was after Thanksgiving week in 2013 where oh. half of where half of the students didn't complete the didn't complete the assessment. Like they didn't even complete it. Oh wow. And it was like, you know, what do you do? What do you, what do you do? Your first reaction is, well, you know, they're lazy, you know. That's that, and, and of course, that's the wrong answer as a teacher, right? Right. Um, so you, 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 what you're, what you're, what the right thing to do is, you know, what, where did I lose them? What, what happened? Where did I, you know, where did I lose them? And, and of course, you know, uh, on reflection, you know, what, what it really was was that I didn't allow them enough practice. You know, I didn't. I, I did the presentation. I did the preparation. I had all the things set up. The lesson plan was great. I had a great assessment, and I didn't allow them enough time to practice to to practice for that assessment. And that's where it sort of come down is how can I make practice? How can I make our time together good? Because I can I can prepare the lessons on my own time. Yep. They I can present the lessons through asynchronous delivery methods like videos. They can watch those on their own time. Right. But the time that we're together, that's so valuable. What can I do with that time together? And obviously, it's practice, because that's the place where they can do it safely. They're not being graded on it, so there's no there's no there's no academic pressure. There, you know, so so that's where the, the sort of the shift of delivery was is that our time together is so precious and so valuable that I don't want to talk at you for the class period. I want to talk with you. I want to 
be there to guide you to so that so that when I give you the assessment that you're ready to to take it. Right. I can hear in there, uh, you know, your mentor's words rather mm -hmm. than, you know, be the guide on the side, not the sage, mm -hmm. sage on the stage. I love that, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, smart, smart, smart advice yeah. there. So you started thinking after this, you know, it's after Thanksgiving, which is where we're recording right now, actually, yeah. right after Thanksgiving, just <laughs> a few years later. Yeah. Um, you're thinking, I need to really focus on making the practice time better for them you know so you looked at what what could you do rather than oh your students are lazy which is an easy place to go right yeah. I think it's easy for us to say oh it's their fault but you started thinking well what could I do and so for you the practice piece being a software developer you you did you think that it was going to be software right away or were you open to other solutions um no I was I I didn't have software, so I had to be open to other solutions. You know, I, I didn't yeah. have it yet. So I tried a, I tried a few things on paper. I tried a few things on whiteboard. Um, you know, and they were they were largely successful. And then in a way, in a way, it was validating to me that this is going to work. So now let's do this in a more, you know, in a more formulaic way. I actually used Socrative as a way to raise a flag during the things. But it was, you know, it would munge up the code. You know, when they would try to send me what they were working on, it would munge up the code. And they had to copy and paste it in. And... They had to copy and paste things back out. So it just seemed kind of like it was it was it was kludgy, but it was validating. It was sort of that I think I want to build something, but I don't want to build something that no one's gonna use or care about. So let's let's try the low tech approach first and see um, see if this is gonna fly. Yeah, so what did you said did I hear you say that you used whiteboards? Yeah, we used whiteboards. We had uh, we had um, what what other things I thought would be interesting would be, you know, this wasn't the greatest approach, but I will say um, in the interest of experimentation, um, I, we, we had, uh, whiteboards. And so I would have the students actually write up their, write up their pseudocode as part of their practice because these were beginner programmers. So we, we were actually, actually work through breaking the problem down into pseudocode first before, uh, before I would, um, you know, before I would like turn them loose on their, on their computers. So we actually had them, you know, physically move up to the front of the room and, uh, and write on the whiteboard and, and you know, mm. and since everyone was, since, since the, uh, since there one was one, one representative from each group that was transcribing their work onto the whiteboard, um, it, 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 people didn't have to be feel so like spotlight was on them. It wasn't one student at a time. We just divided the whiteboard up into five sections, and uh, we had a really long whiteboard in front of the class. And so the group, the students would work in their groups indiv individually, and then they would uh, they would come up with their solution, and then they would they would just transcribe it onto the whiteboard for everyone to see, and then we would talk about it, and everyone would everyone would see each group's solution to compare and contrast and you know and and the t the nice part was that it, they were never really that far off from each other you know hmm. they all kind of had arrived at at similar similar ways to solve the problems which made them all feel pretty good did you see a difference in the students with you just using the whiteboard this low tech method they they started to get a little bit more i would say competitive hmm. you know they they wanted they didn't they they wanted theirs to be the best one up there Got it. Um, so they were obviously more engaged. They were more engaged, uh, but it also became a logistical nightmare. You know, it it, it took time, right, and right. it was like, you know, we got okay, now we got this extra step in the process, and you know, trying to make the most, trying to get the most value out of the time that we have together. So you know, it was like, okay, there's got to be a way, better way to do this. And so one of the things that one of the things that got dropped into Codecaster was uh, the ability for me to uh, for me to request permission from a student in the class to share their code with the class. 
Got it. Wait, so I want to I want to go through this is so fascinating. I, I yeah. love that. So, so you went to whiteboards, but then what did you do after whiteboards? What was the next thing that you tried? The next experiment? Um, after after whiteboards, it was go, you know, just just stopping the whiteboard stuff and just continuing to work in the groups and then using some using um, uh, Socrative and just leaving a page open for students to kind of using it as a private chat system. Got for them, it. For them it. to PM me saying, hey, I'm, I'm stuck on this. Here's my code. And that's where everything kind of, that's where it started like, this is working, but I can barely read the code because when they pasted the mm. code in, it wasn't intended and, you know, it was just all Right, right. It got, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. like useful, but it wasn't as useful enough. And is that when you started to think and sketching out more on paper what you might want to do for, yeah. a, 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 you know, something Yeah, it was, it was like, you know, by this time it was May, it was, it was May and the, 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 the term was up. And so it was like, okay, I've got the summer now to work on curriculum. And, you know, I bet I can, my, my idea was, I bet by the time this class comes around again in the fall, I can have a terribly, uh, a terrible implementation of this ready to go. Hmm. Um, and and th that was a bet I made with myself. And I spent two months of that summer writing a terrible implementation of, of, of the <laughs> software that didn't work and continue to crash ex incredibly uh, because I used the wrong technology. Um, you know, I, I tried. I, I, I tried to use. I tried to use what I knew already because I wanted to get things up and running fast. Yeah. Unfortunately, what I knew already wasn't a good fit for this project. So wait, what do you mean by because of the technology? Can you go a little more in depth in that? What do you mean well, by that? Well, in 2014, what I what I knew I needed was I needed real time communication with the students. I needed to be able to do bi directional push uh, from the server to the client. Uh, you know, I need to, you know, bi-directional communication between server and client. Uh, and it was going to be a web application. And uh, in 2014, the, I was using Ruby on Rails and the WebSocket story was really bad. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there were, there were libraries that would work, um, but it required me to use, uh, it required me to use Redis and it required me to do a bunch of pub sub stuff there. And then I kept having the workers crash all the time. Um, lots of seg faults. Just, it was not a pretty... Not a pretty solution, and um, so it was just. I I ended up. I was hoping that this would get me to you know get me to an MVP quickly using the right. technology that you know is a technology that has served me well. I mean, if I'm making a web to database app, that's what I'm going to still reach for even to this day. But mm. this was you know pushing this was pushing the boundaries of what what I could. I, I was spending more time trying to figure out hackish solutions to keep things running than I was building product. And of course, I'm I'm. You know, I was teaching in the fall, and I had curriculum to do and to prepare for in the in the fall. You know, the, the, the it's a bit of a misnomer when you the, that you get summers off when you teach. You 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 get to do your curriculum for the fall if you're not lazy. You know, if you're all the good right. teachers that I knew spent their summers revising curriculum so that it was fresh and taking the lessons that they learned. Now, there were some teachers who did not do that, and you know, they can certainly be blamed for being, uh, you know, for wasting some time. Um, but you have, you know, you, you are getting paid, you know, at least in my situation, I was getting paid for the full year. Um, I might as well do something useful in the summertime to make, make things better and easier for me. Well, so right. I'm like, but I'm like running out of time. I'm running, up, running out of time. So I went to a conference and I went to a conference and one of the conference talks was building a chat application with, uh, mm. Elixir and Phoenix. This is in 2014. And I saw that and it's like I, I saw the demo in the in the conference talk. I'm like, that's exactly what I need. Holy cow, WebSockets are that easy with this. And so I went home after the conference <laughs> and rewrote the core of Codecaster in a weekend. 
In what? In you? In in. in, in I used uh, Elixir, a programming language Elixir, and a framework called Phoenix. Which and is... did you know them before? No, no. I had I had dabbled with Elixir when I was stuck in an airport back in April of that year. Right. Um, so I knew like the basics of the syntax and stuff, but I didn't have a I didn't I didn't have a reason to use it. It's one of those things where if it's I can learn a programming language if I have a reason to do something with it. Right, but I, I'm still astonished that in a weekend you rewrote it, the entire thing. Well, enough of it to make it useful, right? Because right. that's wow. the that's the thing is because if if well the the idea of Codecaster, the idea of Codecaster, the implementation is is not not incredibly complicated because it's basically a chat application, and so this person who did this conference talk wrote a chat application in front of me, and so instead of me pushing a message from me and broadcasting it to everybody. I'm just pushing code from me and broadcasting it to everybody. So it wasn't very difficult for me to take everything I had already written in one language and sort of sp uh, smack it in and bang it into shape around this existing code that he demonstrated during this conference talk. I had done all the brain work, you know. Yeah, the, the, yeah, you know, yeah. It's not, it's not too, it wasn't, it was two months, but it wasn't two months of like coding every day. It was right. two months of, no, that's not a good approach. Tear that down, you know. So yep. at that point, it was just translating what I was doing. In ah, got it. Yeah. So you, you, yeah, it's true because because building something isn't just about the actual code, building the the, the physical code or the physical thing. It's there's a lot of thinking that has to go into it. Yeah. Th there's there's when, whenever someone makes that comment of like I rewrote our project that took us six months, you know, in in a two days with Rails, I sit there and think. Y'all heard of the second system effect? Because if you haven't, you should look that up. Because there's a whole bunch of people who've done you know, all kinds of writing about the second system effect. Will you tell us what that is so that other people, it, yeah, in yeah. case they don't? I was, I was going to give them homework to do, but they, uh, you know, go read about it. But the, 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 idea, <laughs> the idea really is that, is that there's a lot more to it. If you've already written the system, you know how it works. And so it's, 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 yeah. it, it's, you're not, if you're just doing a straight migration, you're not thinking about how to solve the problems so much anymore. Um, and, and so if it's... Even if even if you rewrote the thing in the same programming language in the same framework, you do it differently now that you know. You know right. All that past, all that prior knowledge that you have from 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 that first time, all the mistakes that you made. Like, yeah, we've. If you're a software developer, you've had a moment where you look at the code and go, "Gosh, I wish I could rewrite this over again." Mm -hmm. You know, that's sort of that that second system effect creeping in. So it's always it's always you know a fun fun caveat when you say, "Yeah, I rewrote this thing," but. Yeah, I rewrote it. I didn't, you know, I didn't like write a new version of it. I just rewrote the thing in a different in a different thing, and so it didn't it. didn't take terribly long to do that. So you did that in a weekend, and then what happened after that? How close are we getting to the school year? And and you know, this I assume this is the beta version that you used with your students. Yep, I put it on a put it on my own on on a little private VPS that I had a bunch of other stuff on. Got it got it barely running and actually left it in a Tmux window and just suspended it. And I, was, I didn't make it a proper service or anything. Just left it running and it was even running in development mode. And we launched and I had the first day of class and I introduced it to a bunch of new students saying, "Hey, let's go to this URL. We're going to try an experiment. I'm going to give you some starter code and you're going to." Uh, you're gonna debug it and play around with it, you know. And that was the idea: was that I, mean, I could push them some code and they could run it, and they could start fiddling with it. Because it's a it's a fun thing to do for like the first day of class. Is you know you you don't have to make them code it, but you can give them some code to fiddle with, and then 
Um, you know, right. say, well, hey, what would happen if you did this? And you just kind of ask those those prodding questions, like, what would happen if you tried this? What would happen if you tried this? No, and, and, and the reaction was, the reaction started to be really, was like really cool. And, and it was it was fun to see that as we got into more in-depth topics and people started using the thing more, um, when I wouldn't use it, when I would not use it, I would have students ask me, hey, can we use Codecaster? For oh, this cool. Exercise? Wait, so, okay, wait, I, I, I always have more questions. So <laughs> what were the, sure. um, okay, well, so first of all, how did you call it Codecaster? How did that name came come up? How did you come up with that name? I honestly can't remember. I, I remember, I, I, I don't remember why, but I remember that I liked how it sounded. I just, I liked how, you know, I'm, well, I'm, I'm, I'm blasting out code to the people in the classroom, so I, that's, that's what I called it. I think I needed like a name for it really quick because I needed to create a, uh, a Git repository for the project. Right. Um, and, uh. No, it's great. I mean, it makes you sense. Know, I, right? I don't. It was just. It was just. I'm. I'm actually really horrible at naming things, and I'm. I'm. And so that's one of those things. I'm, I'm sort of. I'm sort of happy about the name for this. Right. It just came out there. I. I love that when that happens. And then <laughs> the second question I had was, what were the features in this first beta that those folks were using? Okay. The first. The first version was that I could. I could send them code. I could push code to the screen, and there was a little. And there was a chat window. Because you know, obviously, there had to be a chat window because that's that was the model I used to learn how to use uh, right. Elixir and Phoenix. So there's going to be a chat window. Totally. Uh, but I actually thought the chat window was good because it actually did provide a nice back channel for people um, uh, to, you know, to share links to to have a conversation during during the class period. Um, and so I, I just left that in there, and uh, and then I had the I had the, the the main window that did stuff, and I had a very rudimentary way of students letting me see. Uh, sending me a question. Um, sending sending me a question. It was a very I couldn't respond back to them, but I could at least see that they had a question. So ah, got it. Okay. Know, it wasn't it wasn't you know it wasn't fully baked, but it was it was enough. And and the interesting thing was is that for some reason that for some reason that term we, we had these kind of split terms um, where where we had classes um, we had classes that were a half term long rather than you know, rather than a full term. So we'd, we'd meet twice as long, and we'd only meet for half the semester. It was kind of the accelerated class. But for some reason, I only had that class to teach for that eight weeks. Um, I had the, the other eight weeks, I was just, I was drowning because I had like six other classes. Um, but for some reason, that time, so I was actually able to sort of take feedback from like a Tuesday class session and go hack on some code in the evening and have it ready for like Thursday's class session. Oh wow! So feedback on Codecaster. Yeah, yeah. Hey, this doesn't this doesn't seem right, or could we do this? You know, just little things like that, where, uh, or just things that I would notice, things that I what I would observe that you know what would help me a lot here is if I had this ability. So right. Got it. Yeah. So you were able to iterate on it during that eight week class. Yeah, and of course, they would break stuff too. They would find ways to break it because. <laughs> That's good, you know. That's great. They, right. they'd, find, they'd find things that I overlooked, like oh, yeah. I guess I should have figured that they could do like JavaScript uh, execution in the chat window. I guess I should probably sanitize the messages that come in. All right, fine, you know. <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 And I should ask where I don't even know where you're teaching. Where... Oh, I, 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 I'm actually no longer there. I, I, uh, I moved on from teaching in, in 2016. I was actually uh, ah. a, a, a local community college. So they're, they're using it, they're breaking it in lovely ways, which are helping you evolve the product. And so after that eight week class, well then what happens after that? I mean, you know, so you, it sounds like you were iterating on it mm -hmm. slowly, you know, it's still 
beta like tell like further us along in the story about maybe the next big stage of development with Codecaster. Well, the, ne the next big stage of development was um, having a, a fellow instructor come and observe my class because that's what we did. You know, you, you observe each other's classes to ensure quality, to learn stuff from each other, and all that. And of course, one of my uh, one of my fellow instructors saw it and said, "Hey, can I use that?" Mm. And I'm like. Well, no, because I don't have like a login system or anything. So guess what? Guess what I did over Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> Developed a login system. Developed a login system and made it multi-tenant. <laughs> so, you, so you'd have a sign-up system so the teachers. And there was and there was like, and it was rough because uh, you know in in Rails land you just you just dropped a, a library like Devise into your application and hey look you got a login system with email reminders. And in 2014 there was nothing. In, yeah. in in Phoenix land there was nothing like that around there were there were projects that were starting up but it, it was it was roll your own and so I hadn't written a login system with password recovery you know from scratch in a long time and yeah. because there's security implications of doing that you really got to be careful um, but the, the um, I, I knew enough about how to how to do it. Like, okay, I know how to I know how to hash the passwords and you know and to use a strong algorithm for that and use salts and all that. Um, and and you know don't send them back there. You know don't don't even create the ability to re -get, to recover their passwords. They gotta you know get them a token, all that good stuff that you write. So I I did that over break and then, and then spring in service. I was able to say yeah yes you can use this now. Here's how you use it. And did you give it to other folks or just this one instructor? No, I I told I just to my entire department. You know, here, go ahead and use it. Um, and then you know, I, after that, I had a, I have a friend who went to, who started teaching adjunct at another school, and he started using it. Um, and so I I have there are you know there's not a lot of people using Codecaster in their classrooms, but there's enough that makes me happy to to, to see that it's helping students because if an instructor, if one instructor uses it and can help 180 students over the course of their section, then I've that I've helped 180 people. Well, right, you but know? here I guess the question I have is you wanted to solve your problem, but were you looking to to make something that other folks could use too? Was that your original intention when you had the beta? No. My original I didn't intention think so. my, my original intention was I have this particular problem and but you know, that's how a lot of my stuff is. That's how a lot of the things that I build is look, I'm solving my own problem. And if there's a good chance that you probably have the problem too, and you're welcome to use this thing. Um, but it's gonna solve my problem. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, which is which is great. I love that you wanted to solve your problem and then in doing so helping solve other people's problem. Which I think happens a lot. You know, folks are starting to use it. Were they using it free of charge? Yep, they're yep. using it free of charge because <laughs> I didn't write a billing system yet. You know, ah. it's, you know, it's really right. like you don't expect. Oh, I'm, I'm gonna. Yeah, that's the other thing. That's one of, one of the big challenges that I have now is is really that is you know how do I put something in front of this to to to, to monetize it. Because education software is a dirty, dirty market to be in. It's, it's, you know, nobody has any money, but people have lots of money. It's, it's the weirdest thing. The schools have the money, the individual teachers don't have the money. Uh, and so, you know, you're, you're not going to get the Codecaster is not going to be something that I'll be able to sell to individual teachers. It just doesn't work that way. The, the market doesn't work that way. Um, and so, in order for me to make it to a, to a point where, you know, it would get some sort of critical mass, I'd have to start targeting individual like departments. I'd have to start. You know, right schools which which invariably uh and inevitably means that i'm going to have to start doing integrations with 
um, you know, whatever providers that they happen to use. A lot of this, a lot of the schools in the public system in Wisconsin are on, you know, Microsoft. So there'll need to be some sort of Active Directory integration, yeah. you know, things like that for a, for professor accounts or things like that. Um, and and so it just becomes this sort of massive problem that takes away from me wanting to solve the real problem, which is right people in the classroom. You know, the students in the classroom. So that's that's the th something I haven't really I haven't really solved yet. That's a, that's an issue, an area I haven't really uh, you know, figured out how that was how that would work. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean it's a big problem. I mean it's it's true because we think oh well, you should just monetize it, but the reality is is that monetizing projects sometimes that you you get into those things where you are dealing with other issues then you know you're getting further away maybe from the real thing you wanted to solve right the yeah. people in the classroom in order to get more of it out there well and that's and that's the thing too it's like this was sort of done backwards like you know this was not this was not done as a i am going to identify a market segment right. and figure out how much they're going to charge and then i'm going to build a product which is what you're supposed to do it this was sort of a holy crap people find this useful huh i guess i should maybe come up with some way to fund making this better um, because that's sort of where it's at right now. It's bottlenecked. I don't have I don't have full time resources to to work on this. There are some features that I have in progress that I want to deploy, but um, you know, even when I was teaching, it was the students and their grading and their their feedback came before Codecaster time. Um, so you know, in, in a in a perfect world, I'd um, you know I, I'd, I'll solve this problem about how to how to monetize this so that I can hire developers to continue making this thing better. Uh, but in the meantime, you know, there it is, unsupported right now, but working and right. being, used, being used in classrooms and workshops. Well, so. I think what you're saying, though, is important. I think it, it's, it, I think we think that, like, products come out and, yes, there maybe there, you said, like, it's backwards way to do it. I don't know. Sometimes I think products do happen this way, right? Like, mm -hmm. we find the need accidentally or we, we stumble into something. Um, and then we've got to build stuff around it, you know, and in many ways, I don't know. Okay, maybe I'm cynical, but mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of times like I'm going to go out and find a market and then I'm going to build something. Mm -hmm. Okay, maybe that works. I think it can work, but I think there's also problems with that approach as well. Yeah, so you've actually found people who want it, you know, you've stumbled into a market by trying to solve your own problem. I, I think that, that that shows that it's useful, which yeah. is important, right? Well, you know that's the thing is if you want to if you want to evolve it, you want to keep it up to date. You know you want to add you want to add more value. Right. Uh, you know you've you've got to have a revenue source to support. You. Well, it's true, and that's true. It's useful now, and it's it's definitely as you said, bottlenecked. So is that something you're actively working on? Is how do I monetize it? And is that something you're thinking about? Yeah, it's it's something it's something I'm thinking about, and and I I already have. I already have ideas on some of these, some of these new things that I I think I'm going to do is I'm going to take sort of the approach that that Socrata views. I'm going to kind of steal steal more of their ideas uh, before someone steals mine and runs with it. Someone with deep pockets steals mine and runs with it. Um, and, and that's that. What they did was they they always left it free, but then they had these ad these additional advanced features um, that yeah that, that were you had to have a pay account in order to use it. And and that's probably what's going to happen is I'm I've got these I've got several new things that, that are lined up. One of them that I'm one of them that I'm really excited about uh, is I want to be able to actually run an activity and collect the results at the end of the activity. Mm. So if I want to do like an in class quiz, I want to actually be able to 
collect and collate the results from everyone everyone's screens um, and pull it in and it's like okay this is the activity it starts now and ends now and at the end of the activity the instructor will get a report here's here's every student here's their here's the work that they did um, and and be able to you know be able to pull that in and, and use it so that you can just enter it into, enter it into your grade book at the end of the at the end of the activity um, you know things 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 like more more formalized more formalized things data exports all those, those kinds of things that you know if you're just going to run it in a if you're just going to run it in a workshop great fine but if you need these you want these additional things then um, you know you know show me what the money is a little bit right well right and how are you so how are you thinking about those additional features is it based on feedback from yes. the folks who are using it yeah it's based on feedback it's also based on things like that I've things that I've wanted as like you know a lot of the things that are in there are things that I observed in the classroom like gosh it would be yeah. really great if I could you know, do this. Okay, because you you see you see the potential as 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 it unfolds. You see this and oh, I could do this with this. I could use it this way because I've had people I've had people use Codecaster in really neat ways. Um, hmm. I, I I've had people tell me how they're using it. Like oh, I I never thought are using it that way. And so this 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 way of of the 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 sort of activities spawn out of one of those discussions of of someone who tried to use Codecaster to do an in class quiz. Because I have a feature where, in there for the instructor, the instructor can, I, I, I'm kind of upfront with this when the students sign in, but the instructor can spy on you. They can mm. get a snapshot of what your code looks like right now. So if there's a, if they, if, and, and the reason this comes about is not so that the instructor can see if you're goofing off, right. but it is to see if you're stuck. Yeah, like yeah, they, yeah. They, 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 they see a facial cue and they don't want to walk over because they don't want to embarrass you, but so they can. They can grab, they can click on your name, and they can see. They can say, "Show me what they're working on right now," and then, and it just shows, here's what their code looks like right now. And and so what what he was doing was he'd run the activity, and he would just manually click on each student, copy their code, paste it into a you know into a text file. He was just doing that, and it's like you know, there's no reason that can't be something that we automate. There's there's literally no reason we can't do that. The code is already there to grab the code anyway to to display it on the instructor workstation, so it's not a lot of extra work to grab it from everybody and collate it together and make a report out of it. Um, and so that's the kind of stuff that you discover when you start taking, you start taking feedback and you start taking in criticism of what, you know, of, of the product. Well, and how did you get the feedback uh, or the criticism of the product? How did you go about gathering that? Just, just politely asking. Um, and just, you'd be surprised, like, just how... If people understand that you're open to feedback and suggestions, they'll happily give it to you. Yep. Um, well, how did, did you email them? Did you know them? Did you were they? Oh yeah, this is, I was like, hey, um, you know, because a lot of a lot of it would be a lot of the people who start who have given me the feedback are people who I've who I've met who've seen Codecaster in some way, shape, or form. Like they Got know it. I'm working on it, and they'll ask you, you know, how do I use this, or you know, can I use this? Like. Even though there's like a public sign-up form for it, people still ask me, "Hey, can I use this?" Uh, which is really nice. It's really, it's really, really, really quite, you know, nice of them to say. People to that ask. you know, or people you don't. know Even a couple people you. that I don't know have asked me, like politely on Twitter, "Hey, can I, can I use this in my workshop?" Yes, absolutely. Please tell me what you learn when you use it. Got That's it. sort of the discussion I have. Is like, please tell me what you learn from this experience, because, yep. because. You know, the the more people who use this, they're gonna see things in their classroom that are gonna they're gonna they're gonna wonder, um, 
like I, you know, one one weird piece of feedback I got was from an English teacher who never used it but saw it, and said, "Why does it have to be code? Can it be anything? I I could use this to like for pay for writing assignments for grammar assignments in the classroom. Why could it could it be used for that?" And I'm like, "Yeah, there's no reason it couldn't. I don't think I'm going to change the name." <laughs> right, right but there's no reason you couldn't so there's a markdown option and the <laughs> and a plain text option for the right. code for the code highlighting um so yeah you i guess you could you know um right so it's like you built <laughs> feedback loops which is really important yeah. right like getting those feedback loops going and you did it more sounds like you did it in more personally you know like just reaching out to people which is like a really good old-fashioned way but really important yeah, it doesn't scale, but it's it's, right. <laughs> it's really important. My grandfather was in sales his life, his whole life, and so I learned mm. all kinds of fun lessons from him. And so you know, and and one of the biggest lessons I learned from him is that you know you, you need to create you need to create trust with people. And so having that having that personal connection with at least the people who are, you know, coming on board and willing to be my guinea pigs is sort of having that honest discussion. Like, hey, you know what? This may go down in the middle of your class. You know, be be it. You know, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna BS here. This may go down in the middle of your class. Um, you're not getting. You're not charging. I'm not charging you for this. You're not paying for any of this. Um, so you know, buyer beware. But also, can you help me? You know, can you right. help me make? The, can you help me make this better? Uh, when 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 something does go wrong, you know, instead of getting frustrated about it, tell me so that I can fix it. Just right. having those honest discussions with people. And, and, and when you do that, when you have those honest discussions, when you don't try to hide behind, you know, a, a hide behind a fake company or hide behind, you know, some, something else like that, people are more receptive, they're more open to having those conversations with you. Right, for sure. I mean, I think it sounds like a lot of this has been word of mouth. Have you done any trying to get the word out there with folks, to, you know, to, to, to get a little bit of a wider audience? Yeah, it's sort of it's sort of that balance of um, the the more people use it, the more people I have to support using it. Right. So I want I want to do that soon. I already got scripts for those you know scripts for demo videos, and I'm working on more uh, more documentation on how to use this in a successful classroom environment. Those kinds of things that I think are missing. I think I think kind of right now it's really hard. It's 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 a little more difficult than I'd like it to be when for 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 onboarding. When you first use the product, if you don't have someone guiding you through it, I, I think it's a little bit, mm. little bit more difficult. And so I want to have that literature in place and that stuff in place, um, because, again, the scalability of it yep. from from a me standpoint, I want to try to have as many of those things genuinely answered. And I think that since I am a teacher, I can talk to teachers, um, and and put their put their minds at ease and give them the resources that they need to be successful with this. Um, and, and hopefully at that point, then, you know, we can start doing a more of a push for it and get more people, getting more people on board. It started as a way to solve your own problem and then kind of grew from there, right? It just, it grows because other people, you know, have the same problem and want to solve it as well. And so I'm curious, and we talked about, you know, you have a monetization issue, right? You know, how do you monetize this? At this point now, you know, what are you thinking about the, for the future of this? Is this something you would like to, to build into being a full-time thing that you do? Or do you always sort of see it as a fun side project? 
I haven't really decided on that. It's really going to come down to mm. how many people are how many people are seriously interested in handing over money for advance for for the features. That's yeah. the research. That's the research phase I'm in right now. Is you know figuring out. I have to I have to do that product market fit because if it does you know because yep. if there's not a good fit for it then it's continue it's going to continue to be a side project because I'm not done teaching I may be formally done teaching a full time course load but I'm not done teaching not by a long shot so there's going to be places where I'm going to use this um, you know even if it's just for me and a few other teachers who find it useful in their classrooms um, you know but if there is if there if there is a legitimate market that that um, it's sort of that two sides uh, two sides to it. There's a legitimate market. I believe there's a market for this. Are they willing to pay me money for it is a whole other story. Great point. Cannot be underscored enough that those are not the same thing. Yeah. Really, mm -hmm. really, really wise to uh, to know that. I had so much fun talking to you about this. I, It was so interesting to hear. I didn't know the origins. I didn't you know that you started something and then it became something that other people wanted. What a wonderful, wonderful uh, story. Um, so thank, thank you. you so much for coming on the show. I really enjoyed hearing more about how it came about and, um, and, and how, it, how it got to where it is today. Well, thank you for, for having me and letting me, letting me share this with a few more people.